everybody, it's Christopher Irwin here. I just want to lay out a little bit of a disclaimer. Like, if if you are experiencing any sort of issues, please do not wait for the screening. Please go ahead and contact a doctor, go to the emergency room, call 911, whatever you need to do. Don't wait for the screening to come out. Get immediate medical assistance. Um, Thomas and I are not doctors, uh, neither is Joe Swan. So any of the advice we put in here, please consult it with a trained medical physician. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Awesome Police Association podcast. This is President Thomas Villarreal. With us today, we've got co-host, recently upgraded, Christopher Irwin. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. We've also got, we, so we got some uh, we got some people grumbling that Vice President Joe Swan had been kicked off the podcast for a couple episodes, but uh, he's back with us today. He's, we're going to give him the title of assistant to the regional co-host. You'll, you'll be the, the Dwight Schrute of the pumpkin. <laughs> Junior assistant. Junior assistant. Corporal for the day. That's right. Yeah. Recently promoted Sergeant Joe Swan. How are you, buddy? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Thanks. Congrats. Yeah. Today's a, a special podcast that we're recording to announce our partnership with the city of Austin, the, the police department, and Sigma to kind of talk all things police, cardiac health, heart health, and to talk about the program that we're going to be doing. We've got with us today Dr. Ben Stone of Sigma. I, I appreciate you coming in and talking to us today, Ben. Yeah. Just take a moment to, to introduce yourself to folks. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to make sure that I don't say anything inappropriate. It's going to get me put in time out like Joe did. Yeah. By the way, congrats on your uh, promotion. You didn't tell Thank me you. that. Yeah. Thank you. My name is Dr. Benjamin Stone with Sigma Tactical Wellness. I'm the Chief Executive Officer. Actually, I thought we were going to start this off like, welcome to the roast of Dr. Jonathan Scheinberg. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's coming soon, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Could do a half hour just on that alone. That's right. But I've been working with John for about five years now. You know, we've had a relationship with the Austin PD and obviously a very good one at that. And we've had a lot of you guys come through just with various agencies in around the Austin Metroplex. We've been running this program now for, gosh, I mean, in its existence, again, for a total of five years, but it's really blown up in the last 36 months. And, you know, we were active in 11 states. Now we're about to be active in 46. But, you know, Austin for us is home. You know, this is our base. And John's a board-certified cardiologist here. I am not a practicing physician. So my Ph.D. is in cardiac physiology and uh, worked with the U.S. Air Force for about six years in high-altitude aircraft egress and worked in physiology at the extremes, so to speak, and came back stateside. You know, wanted to be involved. I missed the camaraderie of being in DOD, you know. And so when I met John through actually a connection on LinkedIn, uh, it just clicked. And this program has been in existence for quite a while. And, and it's been, this is the most en enjoyable professional atmosphere I've ever had. You know, I never thought working with law enforcement, you know, but it's just some of the most professional type A most enjoyable people. They're they're funny. It's like every time we go on screen in a, in a new agency, we make a whole bunch of friends. And, and I got to tell you, I've never been with a group of individuals that are in more need of a program like this yeah. than, than law enforcement. What? Uh, so I, I guess you use some fancy words like what what is cardiac physiology for for a knuckle dragger? Like, yeah. what is that? What's that mean? What, what do you what, what's your what's your education in yeah so that's basically a fancy term i mean i like the heart it's simple it's like a house you have plumbing problems you have electrical problems you know and it's very very rare that your plumbing problems are going to cause electrical problems and vice versa right so when you think about cardiac physiology is like what makes the heart work better 
right? What limits the heart and its ability to pump blood in various places around the body. Uh, and then when it goes wrong, like, what do you do about it? You know, how can you be proactive in making sure it's doing its freaking job, you know, and not becoming an issue for you when you're out there trying to affect an arrest or, you know, perform as a law enforcement officer. And, you know, for us, for John, when you bring in the clinical side of this, you know, it's this perfect amalgam of circumstances and education and, and case management that allow us to predict some things about working in law enforcement and specific patterns of heart disease that you just can't do with civilians. That's very, very interesting. You know, I remember I've been on the job for, for almost 18 years, and, you know, I can't remember if it was in the academy when I was a rookie, right? Like, I don't remember who told it to me, but it's been kind of ingrained, like, Hey, and I was 21 when I came out of the academy, mm-hmm. um, and it was like, hey, because you're because you're in this profession, um, you know, you're going to have a higher likelihood of getting a divorce, yeah. hi- higher likelihood of becoming an alcoholic. You're going to die at age 56. Oh, where do I sign up? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, hey, you're you're gonna you're gonna deal with addiction. You're gonna deal with suicide, right? And no appreciation it, from the community. Yeah, uh, and it and then it was, you know, also along along those lines, it's like. Hey, and oh, by the way, like your life expectancy is, is lower. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, 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 the trauma on your body from having, you know, whatever, whatever physiological is happening in your body when you go from, you know, falling asleep in your car at four in the morning to, Hey, there's a burglar over here. Let's like run a hundred miles an hour down the road to go try to, you know, get to this person that needs help and, you know, kind of just the ups and downs of the job. And so, it's uh, it's interesting, right? And it's it's, you, you talk about about y'all's company being in existence for five years and things really taking off the last thirty six mm-hmm. months. And one thing that we've talked about in in previous episodes of our uh, of, of the podcast is like how much things have changed, um, in the profession. Yeah. Um, especially like around mental health. Yeah. But I think physical health too. Like it, I, I think it, it'd be remiss if we didn't touch on like. I don't know that there was anyone like Sigma Tactical Wellness 18 years ago when I started. Exactly. You know, and I, I tell you, a lot of the changes is the reason we've been so popular. And we do a damn good job. We take it very seriously. And I think we've got the best program out there in existence. But a lot of this is cultural. You know, there's been some serious shifts that have made some resources available to law enforcement officers that previously weren't. You know, cardiac screening was an afterthought. And I'll tell you, we didn't really understand the scope of the issue either, you know. And there's been some studies – uh, John Violani is kind of the godfather of public safety epidemiology. He's done some work on this that has really sort of made this explode onto the scene. Um, I want to say right before COVID shut the world down, like in 2021, I want to say he was down in Miami at the IACP Mid-Year Health and Wellness Symposium. And he presented some research that I was completely unaware of. And I think John was too. And basically what he did was a mortality study. And he's basically responsible for most of the mortality studies out there. When you hear statistics about a 57-year life expectancy, which, by the way, you were talking about, like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're going to sign up for this job and there's very little respect from the community and you got to deal with the worst possible people and all this stuff. Oh, and you have a higher likelihood of dying from completely preventable circumstances, you know, most of which are medical, right? right? And so when John Violani presented this research, I mean, I was sitting in the audience kind of halfway paying attention. And he's an amazing researcher. This guy's like incredible next level his ability to do longitudinal studies is just amazing but he's the most dry presenter in the world you know and so i'm sitting there like dozing and i'm looking at instagram and he talked about a study and i have to find the the um, citation if people are interested in reading it for themselves but in 2017 2018 he did some longitudinal studies and of all 
line of duty circ actually I take that back of all premature fatalities. So anyone in uniform that died before civilian life expectancy of like 79 or 81 years, they looked at the cause. And in 71% of those circumstances, it was cardiac. Right. Oh, wow. Well, and so when you think about that, like, you know, the number, I mean, again, according to the National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund, the, the most common line of duty death is usually, you know, it's like suicide or it's, you know, an officer involved shooting or car injuries or whatever. Right. You know, cardiac circumstances are like fourth or fifth on the list. Right. Because those are line of duty circumstances. Right. And that's a major issue. So it's about how we collect this data. So one of the reasons that people don't know necessarily how significant and systemic this is, is because of the way we're collecting these circumstances. And you always hear this joke of law enforcement officers like, hey, you see me slumped over at my desk and I put my uniform on me, you know, if it's a heart attack. Right. Most of the time, these clots that are formulated, right, that can lead to the development of a heart attack happen on duty. But when you go home, Right. That's when the heart attack takes place, when you're off the clock. And so those aren't calculated in with overall mortality statistics. So we don't see this. So we're missing like 96 percent of these heart attacks that happen when you're out of uniform. Right. So when you take that in consideration, cardiac disease is like by far the most common cause of death for law enforcement. That's uh, it's not surprising. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy, but it's but it's not surprising. Yeah. Um. So you said you worked with the Air Force before yeah. before you you started this. Yes. Um how how big's y'all's y'all's operation? I mean obviously we're we're in the middle of of kicking off, you know, a round 2 of kind of doing some some screens for our guys here at at the Austin Police Department. Um you know, I've I've had some conversations with a few of y'all's folks and yeah. um you know, you and I met a couple of years ago at a at a cleat board meeting and and it sounds like you guys are are traveling all over the place doing this stuff everywhere. Yeah. Is this a, a a big company or are you guys pretty small and just kind of just making it work? What what's what's the the makeup of Sigma? You know, it's 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 an interesting question you bring up. So when we first started talking a couple of years ago with Cleet, I want to say we had like eleven employees and contractors. I think we just hired our hundred and fiftieth person. Oh wow! Yeah, and I mean, it, and I say exploded like it's exploded. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with some of the cultural ramifications of of seeing these police officers die at early ages from preventable illness. Right, right. that's clearly been the driving factor, but it's um it's grown significantly. And um, I'll tell you, it's been for me. This is the most fun. I, can't, I still can't believe I get paid to do this. Honestly, Thomas. Yeah. I mean, it's so much fun to get to do this and and work with you guys. And I'll tell you, normally. You know, you hear about these crusty old cops that have been cops for like way too long. And they're like, ah, you know, I'm not worried about this. I've made it all this long. And, you know, I've lived on baloney and, you know, bush light and, you know, everything's fine. Well, clearly it's not, right? I don't want to like strike any nerves if. Yeah, Joe, you, you offended by that? No. I do like me some baloney. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's been on my training table for years. Um, I mean, I'm from East Texas, man. Um, so when we started doing this originally, you know, it was basically me and John running the show. Yeah. And, you know, my primary role in Sigma now is obviously all organization, getting the word out there. We do a lot of studies. As a matter of fact, we've got a couple of studies that are being published in Journal of Occupational Environmental Medicine, some of which were using Austin data. And that first round that we worked with you guys, those 50 or 55 officers, mm -hmm. a lot of that data is actually involved in that study. And this really kind of gets in the nuts and the bolts of like why not just this program, but just a wholesale collective understanding of how significant heart disease is in law enforcement. So let me give you some statistics here, and this is wild. So in law enforcement, right? So 
we see a 46% obesity rate in law enforcement, right? Which is about 8% higher than the national average for civilians. I want to say you have like 40 or 42% obesity rate amongst just general people you'd find at Walmart or Target, right? Okay. 46 to 50% law enforcement, okay? Anyone care to guess the obesity rate in the great state of Texas amongst law enforcement? Higher. Higher than that. Say it's in the 60s. 81%. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when you think about heart disease and you work backwards from a heart attack. There's a lot of things that have to actually happen in order for that sure. to happen, right? So obesity is a pretty common cause. What's the number one disease-related obesity? Anyone know? I would say heart disease. Diabetes. Diabetes, absolutely. Diabetes. Diabetes, absolutely. And so diabetes sets off a very inflammatory pattern that can predispose you to plaque development, which happens without your knowledge, right? And what's crazy, in civilians... You have what's called the Framingham risk score, which is this unitless arbitrary number that's based on like age and gender and habits. You know, you smoke or drink. It's based on ethnicity and, you know, hypertension, right, other forms of metabolic disease. And what they do is assign you a number. And if it's above a certain level, right, then we can do stuff in the medical community, right? We can order additional diagnostics. We can check your blood for other stuff. You know, maybe even refer you to a specialist if it's bad enough, you know. So we have recourse to do things that would give you more medical scrutiny, right, and try to uncover risk that was previously undiscovered, right? Problem is with law enforcement is you guys are developing heart disease irrespective of those factors. So we, f we see young, fit men and women all day. And we're talking about people. There was a guy that died. He was a dart officer in Dallas, Texas. He did all the PFTs for Dallas Special Operations Group. I think he had retired out of the military. I'm not sure what branch. But he was a badass. And he ran like five miles a day. And um, I can't remember his name. It was a really tragic situation. And uh, he was actually coming home, I think, from a shift and started feeling like not so great, like sitting at a set of lights. And had the wherewithal to pull in a fire station. And I want to say they hooked up 12 lead up to him. And they were like, oh, my God, you know, we got to get you to the hospital. So they ran him in, coded him in. And he viffed on the table, and they couldn't pull him out of it. And he was like 41 years old, had 100% occlusive blockage in his left anterior descending. Oh, wow. Anyone know what the nickname for that vessel is, by the way? The Widowmaker. Widowmaker. Of course, you're cops, right? Everyone, you know. You ask a civilian, they're like, I don't know. Thomas Jefferson? I don't. Um, cops seem to always know that. Um, if that's not an understanding, then I don't know what is. But, you know, this guy was like 41 years old, prime of his life, super fit guy, went to CrossFit regionals like the last three to four years. I mean, a stud, right? And that's not anecdotal. We see that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. You know? And, and so it's not always the fat you know, uh, baloney consuming beer drinking, you know, cop that's been on duty for 30 some odd years and developed all these bad habits that that's the person that we typically see skate right through the screening with no issues. I remember when you came to the cleat board meeting and you were talking to us about some, some data and you showed us kind of two hypothetical. I folks, still use those examples, man. right? And, and, and I'm going to screw this up, right? But <clears throat> it essentially was like, Hey, here's an old kind of overweight guy that that doesn't really take care of himself, yeah. and here's, you know, his his score on something that's way over my head, but you know, depending on what my score is, I'm gonna do what the heck y'all tell me to do, right? And and he scored well, and and then here's this other guy that's super fit in shape, and and he did not score well, yeah. Just kind of hammering home like, hey, we have this this propensity for heart yeah. disease, and and to your point, like. Sometimes it, it affects just different people for, yeah. for different reasons. And and I, I remember you saying, you know, like, hey, this kind of out of shape guy gets this good get good report. 
and it's like, oh, cool, I'll just keep living my life the same way I'm living it. And yeah. you're like, no, you still should lose weight and, yes. and not smoke and drink and yeah. do this and do that, and or at least smoke and drink in moderation if you're going <laughs> to, right? Like, right. Uh, and and it, it's not just a free pass to go kind of live your life willy nilly, but it's uh, like that that has always stuck with me. Yeah. And it's you. There's a guy that that I used to work patrol with, and like did ultra marathons and did tries and was constantly sick. And I remember like we would joke with him and we'd be like, dude, you're the sickest skinny guy I've ever met in my life. Like, you know, but it's, it, I, I guess it's just, you you never know kind of what's going to affect, um, different people. So with those two guys, you know, they're anecdotal, they're case studies, you know, but it's like the extremes. Now we see that kind of stuff all the time. You know what I mean? I remember that guy actually, one of those guys was from Colorado. His, his wife was like a vegan dietitian. He didn't smoke or drink. You know, and the other guy lived on like Cuban cigars, bourbon, and barbecue. You know, and when you look at his labs, his labs were god awful. You know, they were terrible. His triglycerides were five and a half times higher than they should have been. He had some real issues. But the conditions for plaque development were there, right? And that's why I call, I think that side, I remember this literally like I was standing there yesterday. It was called a case of mistaken identity. Those are anecdotes, but we see that kind of stuff constantly. You know, and, and you know, it's funny because I remember in that circumstance, some of the guys had started like a pool, like a betting pool, like a bracket of who was going to wind up in the ambulance or a life flight after the screening. That's funny. You know, and this guy actually won, and he was hilarious. He was from Corpus Christi, worked up in Colorado, and he was a funny, funny guy. Um, but a lot of that stuff is, you know, completely out of your hands as a law enforcement officer. You know, and, and the reason I go back to this, as I was talking about earlier, you can't you can't use – all right, so Framingham risk score, and going back to the study that John and I have just completed. So here's what's scary is so with this Framingham risk score – that's like from 1975, you know, mid-70s. And you look at postcards of a beach in New York or Florida, you know, and there's some obviously – there's some dissimilarities in the way it looks today, clearly, sure. in your average civilian. So that data is 50 years old, and it's exclusively derived from civilians, right, which you are not. And and that's kind of a major contention, you know, and that's something that we're actually trying to – this is our big, lofty, sort of big, hairy, audacious goal is to actually create an occupational risk score specific to members of public safety, Right. So if you're a law enforcement officer, you are judged medically by a different standard or rubric. Right. That can uncover hidden disease risk in a variety of areas, heart disease being the top one. You know what I mean? So going back to that score, me and John have been laboring under the hypothesis. And that's the practice of medicine. Right. And that's the reason they call it practicing medicine is because no one's perfected it. Sure. I wish they have. Right. But clearly they haven't. And so we've been laboring under the hypothesis that we look at specific markers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name these by name. You may not remember them, but it's PLA2, which is a lipoprotein phospholipase enzyme. Okay, And it's basically – it's not dangerous in and of itself. It exists in the blood, and we can check your blood for it, right? And it can alert us to a condition that can create the possibility for plaque development, which will kill you. Okay, Because that soft plaque, it's unstable. You go affect an arrest. You go getting on a rowing machine, do a 2K, and that stuff breaks off and flies downstream and you got problems, okay? And what that marker does is it allows us to determine what stage of plaque development you are in if you are potentially producing plaque, okay? And so when you look at that, it actually tells us whether or not the conditions are there. Not whether you smoke or drink, not your age, not your, you know, whatever, right? It's all specific to the individual, okay? Now, going back to what I was talking about earlier, is that with those two case studies and those two examples. So 
if you have a genetic predisposition to this, and this is something that's been a common mistake, but you have a genetic predisposition to this, you can eat perfectly, you can exercise constantly, you can live, you can avoid alcohol and tobacco, and it will not make a difference on whether or not you develop potential for heart disease. And when you throw stress on top of that, when you amplify that by irregular sleep patterns or crappy sleep or stress injury, I mean, it's like pouring water on a grease fire. And so we see this developing in civilians. You know, see the average age of a heart attack is like 65. You know what it is in cops? 46. Oh, wow. 46 years is the average age for a heart attack. And it's falling. Well, here's the problem as in a civilian, going back to Framingham risk score is in civilians, we really can't do a lot until you turn 45 years old because there's not a lot of data to support that heart disease starts before then, right? And that's the reason that insurance companies are more likely to pick up the tab for it if they're 45 years or greater. Well, by that point, if you're a cop... The you're there. Exactly. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you, you, you touched on something earlier when you were talking about about research, and, and then we you kind of framed these, these two individuals as case studies. And yeah. I think it's important for especially our officers that are that are listening to this, you know, obviously we're we're launching this with with at at the time that we're launching our partnership to to screen our officers. Um how how important and and what steps are you guys taking to keep stuff confidential, right? Cuz that's yeah. like we're we're bad as a profession generally, right? And I'll just like talk to the the three of us in here, right? Like to, to varying degrees, are we taking care of ourselves in terms of like going to the doctor, getting the checkups, totally. right? Like, um, I'm I'll, I'll fall on the sword. I'm probably the worst of all three of us. Yeah. Um. And so, like, obviously, it's a huge concern of people. Um, but I I I think you guys are doing a bang up job, and clearly, like, part of <clears> this <throat> higher level, to the point that you just made, like, at some point, we need to have aggregate police officer data yeah. so we can That's change. driving those diagnostic patterns. Absolutely. Right. So if you'll just kind of touch on, you know, if, if I'm an officer thinking about taking part of this program, yeah. um, what, what are the safeguards that you're not going to tell the insurance company, my insurance cost is going to skyrocket Absolutely. Or, or let the, you know, tell the police department. And then now my, you know, I'm going to get a fit for duty because yeah. of, Whatever. Man, I'll tell you, Thomas, that's the most common complaint. I say complaint. That's the most number that's the most common reason people don't participate in stuff sure. like this. Right? It's it's that. And then the fear of like we're gonna find something we can't fix. You know? And I get it. I mean, that's the reason I go to the damn dentist. You know, it's because I don't want to hear freaking bad news. And so I understand that. I'm sympathetic to that. But confidentiality is so important with this. And so, I mean, we have so many safeguards put in place, whether it's, you know, you can download an app to access your medical records. It's like two-factor authentication. We even request, you don't even use a, like a work email, use a personal email, personal number to communicate with us. So there's no possibility. Um, we're halt completely HIPAA compliant. I mean, I'll tell you that is for a medical practice. That is the number one reason you could be sued. And so we are absolutely scrupulous. Our chief operating officer, it's actually Dr. Scheinberg's wife, Lisa Scheinberg. She is scrupulous with medical confidentiality. And that's something that we just don't play around with. Because I'll tell you, I'm here to protect you guys. You know, you're here to protect me. I'm here to make sure you don't die from some preventable illness. You know what I mean? And the last thing I want you to do is worry 
about the likelihood of this leaking out and affecting your career, right? I want you to participate in this because I know it could save your life. And I've seen that happen on numerous occasions. So I don't want some administrative hurdle or some fear that, you know, your sergeant or your lieutenant or chief's going to get hold of this information and put you on a medical, like a, you know, like duty, you know? And so I want people to go through this program to understand that, yes, we want to make sure that you are absolutely taken care of, but we also want you to understand that your confidentiality is just as important as your medical presentation. That's, I think that's good, good information for people to, to have. Um, I'm kind of curious on you're you're talking about just the effects that this job in general yeah. has on guys, um, and I, I know there's a bunch of guys out there who are going to be uh, I'll, I'm 34 years old, about to turn 35. Um, like I like to think I take decent care of myself, but I think back to all those years on patrol where I'd be sitting typing a report, a call would come out, you get that metallic taste in your mouth, like. Yeah, that, that's not something everybody gets, guys. Like that's the adrenaline rushing through your body. That's your body gearing up to get into a fight. Like this is something that's completely different from normal people. Yeah. And like, what what do you say to those guys? What do you say to a guy who's like me and getting early like screenings outside of like I get a yearly physical? You know, they 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 run the the typical panel checking my uh, triglycerides, LDL, HDL. Um, I've even gone as far as like a calcium score. Like yeah, what good. what are we providing with this program to those guys? Peace of mind is probably the most important thing. And I'll go into, like I said, in a specific detail with the medical evaluations. But, you know, with a guy like you that's young, that's fit looking, you've you been doing this job how long? 12 years. 12 years. Right now we have options, you know. You get in a situation like Box Cassidy, I don't have any options. You know, at that point, it's reaction. It's not proaction. You know what I mean? And so I want to make sure that we give you all the information that you need to make the best possible choices with your health and the health of your family. You know, that's very important. So when we go through the battery of physical exams, right, in a lot of, in a lot of circumstances, like, for instance, at the municipal level, okay, I know there's a lot of police agencies out there and a lot of towns that will do a basic blood draw. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, when I did, uh, Thomas, when I did those case studies, the guy that was like super fit, his cholesterol was amazing. You know what I mean? His cholesterol, everything was green, mm -hmm. right? His LDL was in range, maybe slightly out of range. So an increase in fiber and reduction in sugar. It was basically going to fix. They didn't even be medicated is what I'm saying. Everything was perfect. And then he had the other guys. Everything was red. You know, we call that bullet wounds, right? He's got a lot of bullet wounds on there and you don't want to see that. And so with a basic physical, they're treating like a civilian. Right. And now I want you to understand how different you are. And I'm going to throw some statistics at you here, a lot of which from that study that John and I were publishing. So with a Framingham risk score, <clears throat> we took a battery of officers and from all over the country. And I'm talking from Albany, Oregon, all the way down to St. John's County, Florida and everywhere in between. OK. And I want to say there were like 5000 or so that we included in this study. And what we did is we took those individuals that had low to intermediate Framingham risk, right? So using that traditional risk marker that's classically associated with civilians in the development of heart disease, we applied that to law enforcement because we want to see what the delta was. And I mentioned this earlier about like the practice of medicine. So we've been kind of like laboring under the hypothesis that these markers specific to the conditions for plaque development are really kind of the missing link to discovering this at your age when we can do something about it. And so, you know, John and I were kind of like, maybe there's a 20% difference, 
you know, maybe 30%. You know, we knew there were going to be a delta. But we didn't know how large it was going to be. Sure. Like, how many people are we actually missing by employing civilian <clears throat> screening techniques to occupations in, you know, high stress, you know, public safety? 92%. Oh, wow. Wow. 92%. So 92% of the police officers that participate in the study that had low to intermediate Framingham risk. Now, remember, if you went to your primary care doc, you had low to intermediate Framingham risk. They're kind of like, eat better. Don't smoke. Yeah. Try to get more sleep. You know, uh, right? Yeah. Things that are yeah. obvious to you. They're not going to treat you for this stuff because there's nothing that's like apparent to them at that point. But 92% of police officers that had low to intermediate Framingham risk had the conditions for plaque development or plaque development was relatively imminent. That is an absolutely mind blowing, shocking statistic. So if I can get young officers to go through this program where, you know, we have options to treat them in a lot of cases, it's, I got to be honest with you in a lot of cases, it's not bypass surgeries and stents. It's like basic stuff. You know what I mean? But that's part of the beauty of the type of feedback that we provide. So I'm not just going to tell you, Let's just say Joe goes through the program and, you know, we got a lot of reds and maybe his PLA2 is elevated or whatever. I'm not going to say, well, just don't drink Mountain Dew and try to exercise because clearly you already know that stuff. I want to talk to you about specifically what do you have in your purview at your disposal that can fix this permanently, you know, and try to educate you on exactly what's going on in the background. Maybe some of it's within your sphere of control and maybe some of it's out of your sphere of control. But I want you to know exactly where that line is so that you're armed with the best possible information to do something about it. And I tell you, the beauty of working with law enforcement is that I've noticed that, all right, I did a, I did a, a shift change briefing for some agency in Nevada. Oh, I know. It was North Las Vegas um, uh, Police Department. Great, great. I actually worked through their union out there. Good. Awesome people. And this guy showed up to the briefing at a Mountain Dew on his desk. And um, I said, uh, you know, I was making fun of him clearly because we're here for a heart health, you know, conversation. This guy's drinking, drinking the dew. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, you probably understand that that's not the healthiest thing for you to drink. So me sitting here lecturing you on unhealthy this is, this is a complete waste of time. This is stuff you already know. And so I told him, I said, man, if you went to Walmart and you bought maybe – branch chain amino acid mix, which is like $15 for like a little like canister of powder. And you dumped one scoop of that in a bottle of water and carried that with you and maybe did that three or four times a day, you wouldn't have a craving for the Mountain Dew because when you get in times of low energy status, your brain can use branch chain amino acids as an alternative source of energy. So it doesn't crave sugar. You have like a neurological addiction to sugar. Okay. And he goes, does that really work? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to give it a shot. This guy called me three weeks later. And this is actually to your point, uh, Joe, of losing much weight. And he, he was almost in tears. He goes, you know, that was the best piece of advice anyone's ever given me. He said, it's almost life-changing. He's like, I haven't had one single Mountain Dew since, and I've lost 17 pounds in like three or four weeks. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. And I said, so you've been using the BCAs? He goes, yeah. And he goes, I've gotten a couple of other guys that have problems with sugary beverages on this same drink mix. And he goes, they've all lost weight as well. And so the whole point of that is not to sell branch chain amino acid mix. It's to show you and illustrate the fact that most cops are looking for stuff to do. They, they want this information. They crave it. But they want to have this information delivered in such a way that makes sense to them, that's informative, that's not chastising, that's not patronizing, but they just want to be told what to do. You know, and I think that we, because we hire cops, right, everyone on our development team is a former law enforcement officer. John and I, are, it, we give veterans preference, so we hire military veterans. We know how to communicate with people in uniform, you know, and so we're able to explain this stuff in such a way that makes sense. And dare I use the word empowers them. I know that's an overused term these days, 
but it puts them in the driver's seat of their own health. And that's what they're looking for. It's, um, I, I, I tell people all the time, like it's sometimes it, it shocks me right in a, in a profession full of kind of meat eaters at time. Right. Um, some, sometimes even the most meat eater of meat eaters wants to be led. Yeah. Right. Um, wants, wants to be told, Hey, how can I fix this problem? Right. Like, and maybe it's because we're, we're in a profession where you're constantly fixing other people's problems that sometimes we just crave someone to fix our problem. You, well, you ignore your own. Right. A hundred percent. Um, but it's, uh, it's not shocking to me that, you know, an officer like that would, would take that just easy advice. Yeah. And, and put it in, into practice. And, and, and I'll tell you, that's that's a lot of what we do. You know, I mean, there is definitely complex cardiac physiology and, and medical science that is happening in the background. I mean, I think that our evaluation techniques are absolutely cutting edge. And furthermore, we – going back to that municipal physical, again, they're treating you like a civilian, which is problem number one, right? And that's part and parcel of the reason that we see these shocking medical statistics in law enforcement, right? But – I don't want someone go, here's the worst situation. And you hear this all the time. Somebody goes through a municipal physical, has a blood draw done and their cholesterol is fine. And their doctor's like, Oh yeah, you're good to go. And guess what happens two months later? You know, lights Mm -hmm. out. They have a heart attack, whether they die or not, it's irrelevant. The fact they've gone through this traumatic event, they're never going to be the same again. All right. That's just the way it is. And I just think to myself like that's so unbelievably preventable. Right. So with our program, I want people to go through it knowing that they have met, they have hundred percent certainty that we're going to find something. Now we're not perfect. We're not God. You know what I mean? And we're human beings. And I can't say 99% of the time, you know, or a hundred percent of the time, but I can say because of the complexity of the diagnostics that we employ, we just don't misdiagnoses. You know, and I'm talking about things from cancer to heart disease, to metabolic disease, to diabetes, to thyroid dysregulation, like all of that's wrapped up into the things that can really limit not only your quality of life, but the length of it. And so we go to great lengths to make sure that if you participate in screening, that you have 100% assurance that, number one, we know what the hell we're doing, and number two, we know how to treat you and what you do want to hear and what you don't want to hear. It's the difference between going out and going to Academy, picking up uh, an AR from there, throwing on some $50 scope versus going and getting some Daniel Defense short barrel rifle, uh, Vortex scope on it, you know, like – not a gun guy. I'm just using this as a reference. Like there, there is a difference with this. We're giving you a good piece of equipment to keep you safe and to go out there and let you better perform for your shift mates and to, to have a better life, to enjoy this awesome pension that we have. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of the assessment, can you kind of explain the program and, and what we're working on here? Oh my God! I tell you, it's like you're treading on dangerous soil. This is where people are going to like come glaze on with over. It. I'm going to glaze right. over like this guy. Just well, likes the sound I'm of not going to glaze over because <laughs> you've hit a few things. I am 46. I just yeah. did my yearly physical last week. Didn't get the results I expected. Um, yeah, I'll be going through your program. Yeah, but I want our officers to have a good understanding of like what what's it going to be like. Yeah. What, you know, so so here's where the confidentiality goes out the window, because like with you, your wife's a doctor. So I'm literally going to call her straight up and be like, look, Joe needs to be on a diet of tofu and like kombucha. For the rest I of hate you already, but she will like you. <laughs> kombucha. <laughs> All right. Just keep it out of the office, I guess. Fair enough. So the, the program really 
it's there's three different diagnostics. Okay, we use a very complex lipid panel that looks at not just cholesterol, but it looks at the conditions for plaque development and the amount of inflammation currently present in the coronary vasculature. Okay, that's number one. And I'll tell you, that really in some cases has proven itself to be the missing link. And that's something that really separates us from just about anyone else out there. Okay. Number two, we're doing a carotid ultrasound, right? And so again, these diagnostics by themselves are worthless. So you've heard, you've heard people talk about, oh, well, carotid ultrasounds, I've read some stuff to where they're not that useful. Well, by itself, no, right? But when you proxy that with other diagnostics, which our third one is a stress test. So we're looking at electrically what's going on with the heart. And I'll get to that in a second. It really, they really have a lot of value. So you have this like sort of this triangular kind of totality of circumstances. This is an Air Force term for you. <laughs> that really makes it very difficult for us to overlook things, okay? Or for things to slide under the radar. So this carotid ultrasound, we're looking for the presence of plaque in the carotids. Again, it's a surrogate. Does it mean you have plaque in the heart, right? Maybe, right? Maybe not. But when you look at the lab work, so let's just say, for instance, that you go through the program and we don't find any plaque in the carotids, but your PLA2 is elevated. Does that mean you're out of the woods? Hell no. You know, you, we need to do something, right? So, and that's the beauty of having the system of checks and balances, right? Which most companies out there, even ones that specialize in civilian healthcare, they don't use because why? They're subject to what insurance companies will and won't pay for. And we're sure. not, mm -hmm. right? It's cash pay, you know, and we're working it through you guys. And so we don't have those, we can do whatever the hell we want. You know, and there's a lot of power and freedom in that. The electrophysiology is also important because there's really, there's, there's, again, we talked about this. So, as I said before, the heart's like a house. We got plumbing problems, which we check you for, and we got electrical problems. So we do a 12 lead EKG, we put you on a bicycle or a treadmill, and we have you exercise submax. You know, you're going to be running and walking fast, but it's not hard. Okay, we're not here to make you the next Boston Marathon qualifier. I'm here to keep you from dying an early death from preventable illness, right? So it's not an exercise test per se, but it does put a load on the heart. And we can determine if there's some electrophysiological issues, maybe that can cause an arrhythmia, right? Which we've seen, actually, we had a guy in one of our uh, affiliates down in Houston, guy had Wolf Parkinson's white, which is a really rare arithmetic condition. You know the first symptom of Wolf Parkinson's white? It's commonly, anyone know? Sudden death. Oh wow, that's uh, not a good. <laughs> that's quite the uh, quite the symptom. Exactly. You know. Well, you know, I tell you what's crazy is you hear like these kids in football. You know, coming up in August, right? We got two days in the heat. Yeah. It's been hot as hell, and these kids will drop dead on the football field. Yeah. And they're like, oh well, it was a heat stroke, dehydration, or whatever. That probably exacerbated it, but it was arithmetic conditions that they didn't know they had, right? And we see this with law enforcement as well. You know, you guys are wearing a lot of gear. You've got you know, body armor on, you got full uniform, it's hot as hell outside, you're sweating, you know, and it can cause some major issues. So we clear you for that. So going back to the diagnostics to summarize, we got a very comprehensive lipid panel. We're looking at thyroid health. We're looking at metabolic health, liver, kidneys, doing a full workup on what's going on inside, right? And then we're looking at some really complex inflammatory markers that tell me whether or not you have the conditions that can basically kickstart the process of plaque development, which is something that you really can't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Then we do a stress test, making sure electrophysiologically you're good to go. And we even look at your carotid, right, to make sure there's nothing there. And I'll show you how comprehensive the carotid ultrasound is. Is uh, My wife actually uh, went – she's works for us. Um, she actually will deploy on occasion. She's like a Swiss Army knife for the company. And one of our uh, trained sonographers actually found some thyroid nodules that she didn't know she had. So went in and got them looked at. turned out to be nothing, right? 
Um, but that's, again, just the comprehensive nature of this evaluation. I want people to walk out of this test and be like, man, I'm good. You know, either you leave with a clean bill of health or you know exactly what the hell's going on. And most importantly, what are my next steps? Yeah, what's my plan? Yeah. Um, you, you talked about this being self-pay. And that's one of the things that, you know, as we – I went to an, an internal meeting, you know, a few weeks ago with with our business folks at the police department. And the question there was, hey, we, you know, we've done this before. We've got a, a, a pool of grant money that we're going to spend on this. You know, we want the APA involved. You know, Thomas, are you willing to be involved? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's how much money can we spend? Yeah. You know, how can we go find more money? And then, you know, wh- where my mind went to in that conversation was, like, how does it not make sense for the city being a self-insured entity um, – you know, um, how does it not make sense for for uh, who's our health insurance through Blue Cross Blue Shield or whoever whoever it is today, right? Like, how does it not make sense for them to cover every person? You know, all twelve thousand employees at the city of Austin to say like, yeah, like it makes a lot of sense for for the fifty five plus people. I'm sure they could get a lot more than me at thirty nine or Christopher at thirty four. Right. But it's like if we know if we know that, you know, a heart attack is going to cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, seven hundred fifty thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to the insurance company. Like if that, you can that pre- a seven hundred dollar screen <clears throat> can prevent. Yeah. Like you can you can prevent a lot of those um, health care versus sick care. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. It, it, just, it, it blows my mind. And it, and I don't know that we're going to ever change that here at the Austin Police Association, but it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a frustrating kind of state of, of, of the world, if you it, will. It is. And, and it's starting to change, to be honest with you. We're, we're seeing it change out there in the ether. Now I will tell you this, it's, it's like you have this, this sort of number one insurance companies don't like to pay for productive healthcare. You know, we have guys that, you know, come through the program and they're like, Oh man, you saved my life. You know, we had a guy here actually at Austin that, that had uh, a major issue. That makes me feel great, and I appreciate that because it's always good to get positive feedback. I don't know if I saved his life or not. I mean, he could go walk out in front of a bus the next day for all sure. I know, you know. And so, I don't. We call them critical incident interventions, and that's kind of a sort of a lofty another Air Force term for you. Um, but I don't know if it's a life save per se. But I will tell you this: insurance companies historically it's, they have a hard time quantifying prevention. Yeah. Okay. It's just like how much money did you save? It's always conjecture, right? I will tell you this: one to three percent of our population needs emergency, immediate medical evaluation. One to three percent. So you got a department's got a hundred, hundred guys, hundred girls. One to three of those individuals are like a ticking time bomb, and we see that happening uh, anecdotally, almost exactly that meets those numbers. Okay. Now going back into it, I'll tell you this: you you have kind of like the immovable force meeting the unstoppable object, or whatever. Maybe sure. it's the opposite, right? The immovable object meeting the unstoppable force. And there's some point out there, there's a nexus there. I don't think we've gotten there yet, but as the socio-political climate of policing continues to get more stressful, as you continue to lose more and more cops to retirement because they quite frankly don't want to put up with the politics and the lack of respect. So you have fewer cops doing more work, you know? I mean, that in and of itself is, I mean, if, if that's not impending doom, I don't know what it is. Um, you have different circumstances allowing you to act and protect yourself. You have reluctance to act, reluctance to to do certain things because of fear of persecution or prosecution, rather. 
that in of itself is is kind of an amalgam for a really toxic environment that can lead to some pretty unfortunate medical circumstances, right? So I think what, in short, you're going to see higher costs for law enforcement. And so something is going to have to be done. We have a company up in New England that's actually just created what's called a pre-approved benefit for Sigma. And we're working with the state of Massachusetts right now starting actually next month. As a matter of fact, we're embarking on this incredible journey uh, with this organization. And they are opening uh, effectively the floodgates to where if you're in public safety, right, I don't care if you're in fire service, you're a law enforcement officer, you know, paramedics, EMTs, um, because I'll tell you, they kind of get the shaft in circumstances. Yep. Um, you're effectively, you're eligible to receive this benefit. And I think you're going to start to see that kind of moving um, from each coast inward, right? And I'll tell you the other thing about a program like this is I don't care which side of the political aisle you're, you're on, you can get behind money to help make people's lives a little bit better, you know, law enforcement especially. Yeah. You know, I maybe you don't like guns and bullets in, in bars, right? Fine. You can still get behind a program that's designed to improve longevity, quality of life, and public safety. Because lest we forget, some of the things that we do improve quality of life. Maybe you go home, you eat a little different because now you know exactly exactly what to do based on what you've been told. You have more energy to go home and participate in a hobby or special interest or interact with your spouse or your children. Maybe your interactions with society become a little bit better. Right. You know, as a result, because you're happier, right? And then, you know, maybe you do like bullets and guns and police cars and you support cops wholeheartedly. Well, you absolutely are going to support a program designed to improve their capacity to be productive agents of law enforcement. You know, so you're you're starting to this is like the one point that everyone can agree on. You know, or should be able to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things I, I, you know, in in this line of work, you know, being the a labor representative, it's like. Sometimes I understand the, the just the nature that things are going to be partisan, and then other times it's like, hey, we should be working together across yeah. the aisles, yes, at at all levels of government to just treat our people well, yes, and and to recognize that you know, if <clears throat> if you don't like the police, then look at it from a fiscal standpoint, right? Just yeah. uh, just uh, keeping your catastrophic events low, you know, on the insurance side, if it's. Yeah. You know, and like you say, if you're if you're pro police, then then yeah, help your people take care of themselves. Well, and I, I think then another uh, area of, of worry potentially is like how many people are going to use it. If we fund this, you know, how many people are going to use it? We're seeing ninety one to ninety four percent across the board, and agencies actually go through this program because it's voluntary. It's not mandatory. We prefer to keep it that way for the, again the confidentiality. Yeah. You know? Um, and so when you give people the option and they exercise that, usually they do so uh, because they want to, not because they're being voluntold right. to do right. it. Um, and then the other thing is, um, what's weird is you would think that you would see more uptake from like our older, uh, you know, command level or people thinking about retirement in the next few years because they want to go out and actually exhaust their pension, you know, as you were talking about a minute ago. And what's interesting is we see more, um, the, the age demographic of 35 to 39 or 35 to 40 is actually the most common demographic to invest in this. Interesting. It is. It is. And I think what they see, and we ask them on our survey, and you'll get one. You go through the program, you're getting a survey. And it's like, how do we do and why did you do this? You know? And what's common is one of the questions is why did I why did you do this? You got very limited time, right? Why did you choose to spend some of it on this? And one of the questions is I look, I see my officers that are command level that have been doing this for 10, 12 years longer than I have. And I'm like, I don't want to look like that. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't I don't want to be that. Like, so if there's things that I can do now that will change my life for the next 10 or 20 years, 
then absolutely I'm going to invest in that. And we really thought we were going to have a hard time getting to like, you know, when we were telling some jokes earlier, like our SWAT guys and girls, you know, the guys that have sleeve tattoos and wear a lot of nine line apparel, you know, have like lifted <laughs> F-150s because they're impervious to everything, you know. And those are the people that are most likely to actually go through it because they're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do something. If I have it and it's like kind of paid for, if it's partially funded, 100 percent. I'm yeah. going to go through this. You know, my health is very important. My longevity is even more important than that. I think too, like there's a, there's been a cultural change that I've seen where, yes. where, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't cut my teeth in a time where officers really took advantage of vacation. And you didn't talk about where it hurts either. No, no. I, I, I tell people all the time, like I, I was, I was instructed, um, by my first sergeant and she, if she ever hears this, she'll come chew my ass again. But, um, you know, like, Hey, you're a rookie. You don't call in sick. Yeah. Um, and then I was throwing up because I was sick on the side of a traffic accident, like excused myself from some citizen went around the backside of my car, threw up and then like rinsed my mouth out and came back <laughs> and she got word of it. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? Off. Go home. And I'm like, I didn't know I was allowed to go home. Right. Like didn't, didn't like, when did that change? Um, versus like, uh, we always pick on Christopher for being the, the, the young guy. Um, but it's like, like Christopher's generation, like values their vacation time. Absolutely. And, and they like to go travel and hundred percent. And you know, there's, and they take advantage of resources when they're offered. Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely and dude. I'll tell you, if you want to see proof of that 10, 10, 20 years ago, and again, I wasn't in the scene, but I can only imagine 10 to 20 years ago, go to a, go to a handful of police departments and tell me how many gyms you see. In that police department. Now go to the same agency. What do they got? Oh, they yeah. got a gym. Yeah. You know? And so that just shows they're willing to invest in it and because people actually use it. Not only do you have a gym, you have people in it. Using they, they it. Using use it. The gym. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. not just there collecting dust. I'll exactly. tell you, over the last 22 years, seeing that shift in wellness is is a great thing. And I, we pick on Christopher and his generation, but the things they're doing, looking out for themselves and their health is way better than we ever did. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um, I think if we can get people to invest in this, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It'd be great. It's an insurance policy, really. Healthy yes. cop is going to equal healthy work product, healthy society in yeah. general. I want yeah. them to live a long time after they retire. Um, but if not, and, and the officers self-pay through this, it's really an insurance policy for that officer. 100%. Know what's going on. It's a no-brainer. And I'll tell you another thing, man. It's, you know, we have the heart health bill here in Texas, which I think my um, chief medical officer actually helped. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it was Senate Bill, what, 1582? I don't remember the numbers. I, he, but I don't remember the number, but he was very, couple very years. I don't really like, be honest with you, I don't really like complimenting him on really anything, especially because he's potentially listening to this. So yeah. I don't want to go too and, far down that route. And we'll hole. say, um, Jonathan was reached out to to come – be on the podcast, so he. he... I'm just going to say you got the you got the long end of that stick. All right, if he had been here, <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten a word in, man. It would have been the John Scheinberg show, to be honest with there you. There you go. He did a good job with uh, with getting that pushed through. He did, and honestly, it was brilliant. And so, what it did is actually allows us to capture mortality statistics in that 24 hour window of presumption that fire services had historically the cops haven't mm -hmm. you know and that's a big deal especially when you think about a young officer with a, with a young family to support uh, and getting that that pension in the event of something that happens within that 24 hour window after they get off shift right mm -hmm. but going back to that and that is with john 
so when John uh, co-authored that bill, I think basically what they wanted to do is capture mortality statistics in that 24-hour window of presumption. But really what it encouraged officers that are young to do is get baseline assessments, right, right. that they could use in the event that they developed heart disease at an early age, you know, and they can actually say, wait a second. Hold on. I don't have a family history of this. I'm not overweight. I don't smoke or drink. Clearly, this is occupational. You know, mm-hmm. the reason I developed this this illness, you know, we'll say heart disease, is a lot of this to do based on my career. You know, and the fact that I don't sleep, that I've got stress injury or PTSD from like an officer-involved shooting. You know, I try to take care of myself. I don't have diabetes. And I don't have a family history. There's no other reason why this disease would have manifested in the way that it did at the age that it did, if not for what I do for a living. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important for folks to to understand, right? Like part part of that part of that presumptive um, part of that bill, right? And and to get it presumptive and to to jump through all the hurdles, you, you have to have a baseline, is my understanding. Yes. Um. So, you know, um, I guess speaking to our younger officers that are that that are listening, like if if you're not getting a baseline and surprise, surprise, right? If you go, you just go to the doctor and you're 34 years old, you know, like Christopher, um, it's possible that insurance doesn't, doesn't pay for it, but it's, it's one of those things, you know, especially right now, like, Hey, working, working overtime shift, invest that money in yourself, right? Like we have a whole bunch of guys now who may or may not have worked in a patrol capacity recently, but are all of a sudden, having to go back, you know, they've, they've been a detective, they've been behind a desk for a minute, you know, they've, they earned that. And now they're having to go back to this running, gunning, taking calls, catching bad guys. And like, exactly. A lot of talking to the detectives out there working backfill, um, you know, this should be something you really consider, you know, that you are getting thrown back into extremely stressful situations. You may or may not have been living somewhat of a sedentary lifestyle, whether you have a stand-up desk or not, um, reviewing cases. Like it, it is different going back to this overnight schedule where you are, you're getting those adrenaline dumps, you're getting those crashes. Like Something like this is very, very important. Yeah. Speaking of, so I want to, I want to jump into kind of the program here and and who's, you know, what's going on, how it got, how it came to be, um, and you know, generally what it's going to look like. So, you know, we we're approached by the city a couple weeks ago. Um, they found a chunk of grant money. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, clearly they they see value in this. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to you guys, start the conversations, um, and I got brought in. I feel like pretty early in 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 our process, and I'm like, yeah, it's a no brainer, right? Like, we're happy to give the facilities, um, happy to give you know space. Like Christopher and 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 Jessica are both getting kicked out of their out of their offices for for a week. Right. So, so private consultations can happen in there, um, stuff like that. So like we're all in at the APA. Um, and so, you know, once we, once we kind of started talking about it, I'm like, I'm like, we're in, just tell me what's going to happen. Tell me how we can help. And so, you know, general breakdown for our folks, um, there's two different kind of levels of, of 
treatment, if you will. I don't know if treatment's the right word, but kind of two levels that officers can can do, can can elect to do. Um, one's the flagship. That's kind of your yeah. your full meal deal. You're gonna get. You're There's get three the, diagnostics I talked about. Yeah, you're gonna get the blood lab. You're gonna get the carotid screening. You're gonna get the the uh, stress test, and then a consultation. Correct. That's right. And then you guys have what y'all call heart start, yep. which is you're going to run labs, do a yep. blood screening, run the labs, and then do a consultation, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And let me tell you why that actually started. And so, I mean, up till including last year, we only had our on-site full-on flagship screening process. And that includes the phlebotomy. All of it's done here, by the way. You don't have to go anywhere to get anything right. done. It's all done here. Um, that includes the carotid ultrasound um, and, of course, the stress test, right? So those three diagnostics. But we had a lot of we had a lot of officers. I actually had a guy call me from Wichita, Kansas. There was a small agency in the Wichita area, and he said, "Man, you know, I got like twelve cops here, and I, I want to do this, but it's just like we have no budget for it. And not only that, but you can't come to Wichita for like twelve people." And I'm like, "Yeah." Um, he's like, "Well, what, what what can I do?" And I'm like, "Man, I don't, I didn't have an answer, and yeah. I don't like that." Yeah. You know, at the time I was like, "Well, you know, we can partner with another agency, or which we can do, you know, but the likelihood of something popping up just out of nowhere is pretty low." Right. And so we developed HeartStart. And so basically what that, we are, we are Quest Diagnost- one of Quest Diagnostics' largest nationwide clients. And so what they've done for us is they've opened up their network of patient service centers all over the U.S. There's 2,200 of them. So never, no matter where you are in Austin, there's like dozens. Yeah, they're you know, everywhere. Everywhere. So what you can do, if you want to participate as an individual, right? So let's just say Thomas Filiarell wants to go in. It's like, my agency's not going to cover this, but I, my family's worried. My wife's on me. I got to get something done, right? Sure. How you guys work with cops? You can make an appointment with the PSC, patient service center, go in on your own time and get your blood drawn. It comes back to us. We then process it. We look at it. And then we make an appointment where you do a virtual telehealth visit with one of our trained uh, nurse practitioners or PAs or physicians. Okay. Then you can do a 40 minute consultation with a dietitian as part and parcel to the program. And they've got access to your labs as well. So they can kind of determine what you can control with diet and what you can't. Yeah. And that kind of sort of works in concert with, with the, what the clinician's going to tell you in, in terms of how you need to tr- be treated or what you need to do as an individual to minimize your risk. Right. So you still get an hour of FaceTime. You know, clinical FaceTime, there's a lot of education that goes into it, but it's just the lab, right? In a lot of cases, what that, let's just say, for instance, that you were, uh, oh gosh, what was that guy's name in Lakewood? I was talking about going full circle now with those two case studies that had really, really good labs. Right. Skinny guy, right, that was at high risk for heart disease based on PLA2. Well, if he would have gone to his doctor and, and taken those municipal labs that were all perfect and said, treat me for heart disease, the doctor like, I can't do that. I mean, right. insurance company's not going to pay for it. You take the lab and showing high PLA2 or high cardiac inflammatory marker, no problem. So it breaks down those barriers, those bureaucratic barriers to treatment. Sure. You know what I'm saying? You can continue a, a care plan with your general practitioner or specialist of choice. Yeah. And so it, it kind of, this reason called call it heart start because it's not the full-on thing, but it, it is enough information to give you Again, empowerment to actually take control of your health. So here, when in the program that we're that we're running, we've it looks like we have there's 65 people at the police department that are that are 55 or older. Yep. And so um, those 65 folks um, kind of taking priority, right? Like like the number one priority for the department. And I I get right. There's a finite number of of dollars that they can spend and, and, and they're going to kind of divvy them up, have the, how they see fit. And so 
I'm like, cool. Like not, not gonna, not gonna get upset that you're going to offer, you know, the full meal deal to, to 65 folks that, uh, that are the oldest folks at the place. Yeah. So those 65 folks that are 55 and up will have the option to do the flagship full meal deal, or they can do hard start. That's right. Um, it's then going to kind of filter down to the next group of people, ages 50 to 54, depending on if we have money for flagship, um, spots, if you will, based on participation of the 55 plus folks, we might have kind of first come first serve for that 50 to 54. Yeah. Um, where, you know, some of those folks might get to do the flagship. Some of them might only get offered the heart start. Um, and then depending on if anyone, you know, if, if there's still funds left over, if we don't have enough people volunteering, then it's, you know, potential that it'll open up to the next age bracket. The important thing that, that for the, one of the things that was important for me in this conversation with, with our business folks was they were like, Hey, do you want to open it up to, to the Christophers of the police department? Yeah. Right. Um, how, how young are we willing to open this up? And I'm like, everybody. Right. Like if if everybody at the police department wants to and it, this is on the sworn side, you know, if if every police officer wants to do it, like we will figure out the time yeah. um, to, to come over here. Now, obviously, you know, there's not <clears throat> there's not going to be grant funds that trickle down to Christopher and I. Um, so, you know, for officers, this is going to be a self-pay for officers that are not covered by the grant. It'll be a self-pay situation but you know you're 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 gonna get a full lab you're gonna get you know the this entire battery of tests and then the follow-up and for sworn and non-sworn for the flagship that that out-of-pocket cost is 799 dollars yes um and there's no taxes there's no additional fees it's just a flat rate flat 799 um if you're like Hey, I take pretty good care of myself, but I do want to participate. Yeah, I want to do the heart start. Um, that cost is two ninety nine, correct, out of pocket. Um, and so, so if you're listening and and you want to do this, but you know that you're not anywhere close to to being covered by by the grant funds. Um, and and here's the reality: if if all sixty five people that are fifty five plus do the flagship. You know, it's a bulk of the money. There's not a ton of money left over. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's never going to trickle down to Christopher and I, and and that's okay. Like I, I would I would gladly pay eight hundred bucks uh, to go, you know, for the first time get yeah. get this 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 set of of tests done. So here's the deal, um, and I'm going to work backwards actually from your statement because I want people to understand how serious we are about this. I don't know how things work in in each individual household of the members that are listening right now. But in mine, if my wife founds out I got an issue, it's over for me. So yeah. the reason that we offer a discount for spouses, they're not getting a different program. They're not getting a watered down version. They're getting the same thing. And is it overkill in some cases? I, yeah, you could probably make that argument. You know, it's overkill until it's not, you know, until we find something that we right. wouldn't have found with some, cl you know, classic clinical experience, you know, um, the reason that we do that is because we want to encourage participation. You know, if 130 bucks is the difference between them participating or not participating, I'm fine giving that. I'll pay for that out of my own pocket. I don't care. You know, for me, if I can get a, a, a spouse, a, a set of, um, you know, cohabitants uh, or, you know, whatever, speaking the same language, 
that for me is a win and I'm willing to invest in that. If that's a win for one of my officers, I'm going to have more success because his husband or wife or whoever is speaking the same language. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. You know, so we try to, we try, that's actually wholesale for us. Right. So we do it for cost and we try to make sure that they know that they're welcome to participate. Now we'll say this as well. Let's just say that, that, um, let's say you're 30 years old, you know, or whatever. And you're like on the fence about participating. It's kind of expensive. And it is, it's a chunk. I'm not ignorant to that. But I want you to understand that you can use an HSA or FSA to pay for this if you have one. It is eligible for that. Okay, So you don't have to pay for it out of your own pocket. Especially if you're like, man, I got a daughter in braces. My son's playing baseball. I'm going to buy him all this stuff. You know, I just got to put some money aside. I want to go through this, but you know, I can't afford the whole thing, but I want to do hard start. Fine. Use your HSA, FSA to pay for it. And it's yeah. less than half the cost of the full screening. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a – someone told me that along the way, and I completely forgot it. But it's it's good – Good information yeah. to have, and because yeah. I, I know we have a chunk of our officers that do that, and and um, and yeah, it's I just I, I can't you know say it enough. Like we we yeah. we have to as a profession, we have to get to a place where we're investing in ourselves, right? Like we yeah. we talk about it all the time. Like we we have to invest in ourselves on on the political side of this, you know, and and that's part of what we do. But obviously on on the wellness side of this as well. Like, you know, spending 300 bucks, spending a hundred bucks to, to make sure that, that you have a good plan pushing forward is, uh, is in the grand scheme of life is, is nothing. It's nothing. It's, it's pennies. And as I said before, for the young guys, especially it's a baseline. Yeah. Even if it's, everything's perfect. You got a baseline. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I, I greatly appreciate your time in the conversation. Um, Important dates for for our officers. So, you know, this is uh, this is going live at the same time that we've put out flyers to uh, to get you guys to start signing up. Um, blood draws are going to be here at the APA Hall. Like like Ben said, the entire the entire program is going to be here at the APA Hall. So we're gonna have blood draws in in the Jaime Padron Conference Room. Um, you know, various times September twelfth through fourteenth. Um, and then the on-site screenings are going to be October 8th through October 13th. Mm-hmm. So um, look for uh, look for the flyer. Look for the sign-up. It's going to come from the APA on a newswire. Um, get signed up. Um, I, I do think it's important for, for me to put out there, right? This is uh, no small chunk of change that the, that the department is spending on this. They're, they're spending right at $71,000 Um worth of worth of funds mm. to uh to help cover some of some of the officers like i said it's going to be you know it's going to it's going to start with those 55 and older and and trickle down from there so mm. you know greatly greatly appreciate the the city's commitment to the officers on on this and and you know there's lots of things that they could spend this money on and so i'm, I'm just grateful that uh that we're going to spend it on this and and hopefully you know we have Number one, you guys can can get the data that you need to to continue to do y'all's research and yep. to continue to push that forward because I think that's you know bigger level for for every cop around the nation. Like it's it's incredibly important that we better understand and that at some point if we can change kind of the mindset of of insurance companies, then that's obviously incredibly helpful. Um, but also like here at home, I you know there will be someone that that we find something hundred percent in whether yes. like you said whether it's cancer whether it's um, you know, plaque buildup, whether it's, Hey, we got to get you in yep. immediately. And it will be somebody that you did not expect. 
Probably. I can tell you, we'll find two things. We'll find somebody, and it will be someone that you did not expect. Yeah. So, you know, looking forward to it. Um, Ben, I, I I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for driving down here to to sit with us and and to have this conversation. Um, we're well over an hour um, into this thing, and it's uh, it it flew by. So. We'll have to edit out all of Joe talking. He wouldn't shut up. Uh, I was out of control. That's <laughs> not, nothing nothing out of the norm. But uh, I I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you and Jonathan and the rest of y'all's team for all the work that you're doing for our folks and it's it's truly our pleasure it's uh it's it's needed so um hopefully you guys next time we talk you're at uh 300 300 employees because you guys are just kicking ass and taking names so Thanks very much yeah um as always if you guys have ideas for a podcast uh shoot me a text drop me an email reach out to anyone here at the apa if you need something from us let us know as always stay safe <laughs>